You guys can be seated. <clears throat> I'm going to be quick tonight. Whoa, you okay? Okay, we're good. Whew, that scared me. I'm going to be quick tonight because, uh, man, I got this cough they can't get rid of. It's coming from deep within my soul, and I need it to go away, all right? But today, if you have your Bible, go with me to John chapter 4. I want to just, the t- tonight's message, my message tonight is called Crowd or Devoted Disciple. And I love that term, and I pulled that term from something that the guys taught over the weekend. I loved one weekend. I loved getting to see you guys together. I want to show you this group picture really quick of all you guys together. And it just really, like, blessed my heart just to see you there. Get chulos. Listen, your your parents would be so proud of you, okay? Just look at you there, all right? I don't care care what they say about you. You're, You're awesome, all right? So listen, listen, listen. It was such a great weekend. One of my favorite things about One Weekend, listen, listen, shh, you can look at the picture, just stop talking to your neighbor. One of my favorite things about One Weekend this year was seeing you guys reconnect with one another in a way that I hadn't seen in a long time. You guys were hanging out in groups that we assigned you to with friends, and some of those friends in those groups you hadn't seen or talked, really like had a meaningful conversation with in a long time. And over the weekend, I saw you talking to them like as if you hadn't ever skipped a beat. And I know for a fact that for many of the people that were in your groups that I saw you talking to throughout the weekend, that you hadn't spoken to some of those people in a long time. Because when some of them got to one weekend and you guys saw each other, you were like, hey, and it's like, oh, I haven't seen that person in a long time. And they're in my group and we're going to spend all weekend together. Or maybe you're still a little bit new around here and you decided to come and check things out and and then you left the weekend just so much more connected. I kind of in some ways feel like 15 Wednesday nights together don't compare to two and a half days together in that amount of time and, and just the amount of time we spent together without like we turn our, like your phones are off. Like literally like when I was going around watching you guys doing free time stuff, I was, I was shocked. I was like, wow, they're actually off their phones and they're talking to each other. They're shooting each other with Nerf darts and they don't even know where their phones are. They are playing Nintendo Switch and laughing and they got 15 guys around one TV all playing together. I, I thought to myself, like, wow, look at these guys. They're outside kicking a soccer ball and talking with each other. And you know what? I just have to just tell you, like, those are just some of the, the most beautiful moments for me when I saw you guys just reconnecting with one another like that. When I saw some of you having group sessions either here at the church or um, just sitting around in the grass just having your group session, you had a bunch of group sessions throughout the weekend, I just had this thought to myself. I was just thinking to myself, like, man, just how incredible it is to see you guys sitting around together talking about God, talking about God and what he's doing in your life or questions that you might have or hard questions you might have. I was really blessed to get to talk to a few girls during lunchtime that were asking me some really hard questions, follow-up questions that came up in the session during the Q&A time. And I love getting to talk with them about their hard questions. Honestly, that was one of the highlights for me. And just seeing you just reconnect to each other, seeing you reconnect to God in a very special way. It actually felt like you were being the church. Like I think that that's what the church is supposed to be like, a place where, not a place, but a people who come together, they love each other, they love God, and they love the world, and they love the world and want to be God's ambassador. That's the church right there. It's they're loving God together, they're loving each other, and they're loving the world that doesn't know God. That's the church. And you know, this week in seeing you guys do what you we're doing, stepping away from the craziness of life 
it, it, just, it, it, just, it just felt genuine. And it was like, wow, look at this. We can actually be the church together. You know, there is this one phrase that really stuck out to me, and I said it to you guys during lunchtime when we were having lunch, and I stood up and talked for a little bit. Uh, I think Danny said it in his message, and then Roland grabbed it and picked it up and talked about it again in his message. The guys talked about a complacent crowd that followed Jesus or a devoted disciple. I want to show you this picture of a crowd right here, because when I think of a crowd, I think of a big crowd like this. I think of that a crowd, or at least the, the crowd that likes to follow Jesus around, really didn't care that much about Jesus. They really just wanted to see Jesus do awesome things, the complacent crowd. They just wanted to see Jesus do amazing things, almost for their own benefit, almost for their own entertainment. They really had no interest in really getting to know Jesus. You know, crowds disperse. They, they, they gather to see something great, and then they scatter. They gather, and then they scatter. That's what crowds do, and that's what the crowds did every time they were looking for Jesus. They'd gather to go find him and see what he was doing. They wanted to see something great, but they really had no interest in getting to know Jesus in a personal way, and then they would just scatter. And so I think of crowds that follow Jesus kind of like like this picture. You know, it's awesome for a moment. Like, you know, when, if you've ever been to a big concert, I've been to some big concerts before. If you've ever been to a big concert, just like this photo, um, if you want to know who this concert is afterwards, uh, just come ask me afterwards. I'll take. But if you've, ever been, if you've ever been to a big concert before, people gather, they're excited, they leave going, wow, that was awesome. And then they return back to the reality that is life. That's just what entertainment is like. We return back to a reality. We gather as a crowd and we scatter and then it's like we're facing things. You know, but I really like this next picture here of, of these people sitting around having coffee together because this picture right here kind of reminds me of what a devoted disciple is like with Jesus. Nobody else around. It's just me. It's Jesus, and we're together. And I think of this picture as an example of someone who is surrendered to the call of following Jesus. In other words, Jesus says, come follow me. It's almost like leave the crowd you know, like in a concert, you get the backstage pass, right? And you get to go backstage and hang out with whoever is famous. You're like fanboy or fangirling it up like, oh, selfie. And then, but guess what? Then you leave. And guess what? They may ne they're never going to tweet you, okay? They're never going to uh, direct message you on Instagram. Or if they do once, they're never going to do it ever again, okay? It's just like you, even, when, even when they call you out of the crowd to go backstage and hang out with the band or whoever is famous, it's still but for just a moment, Right? You know, but this is what Jesus likes to do with disciples. He calls them out of crowds. He says, you come out of that crowd that's just kind of curious and watching me, and why don't you come learn all that I have to teach you, and, and then not only learn, but to actually live all that I want you to live as my disciple. Will you come be my disciple? And I think that that's exactly what Jesus do, does with all of us who are church people too looks at churchy crowds just like all of us here, and he says, hey, here's a big crowd of people. They've come to talk about me. Now, who amongst this crowd wants to step out of the crowd and do exactly what is in that picture right there, which is just to sit down and have coffee with Jesus? Now, you may say, I don't really like coffee. I don't want to have coffee with Jesus, and that's okay. Here's the cool thing. Listen to this. Here's the, thing, the cool thing. Jesus would probably sit down with you and have uh, a milkshake from Chick-fil-A. He probably would sit down with you and have breakfast from... El Patio, he probably, would, he probably would sit down and have a late night meal at Whataburger and just sit and talk with you one on one. But listen, here's the thing. My point is simply this, okay? Don't miss this part right here. It's simply this, is that crowds aren't necessarily disciples. Crowds are not disciples. Disciples are called out of crowds, and Jesus wants to sit with you as his disciple, and he wants to say to you, 
across the table just to you by name. Danny, will you be my disciple? Yes, I want to be your disciple, Jesus. Good. Then you're going to learn my way, and you're going to learn how to live it out in your life too. That's what it means to be my disciple. Today's story is another really cool story of someone who would move from being in the crowd to having a devoted faith in Jesus through something that he'd experienced in his life. We're going to be in John chapter 4 today, verse 45. John chapter 4, verse 45. It'll be on the screen if you need it. I do want to encourage you to actually use a Bible, okay? If you have an app on your phone, don't always rely on the screen. I see a few people that have gone back old school. One weekend must have been good for you because I see some note-taking going on, okay? This is good. I like this, okay? We should, we should do this more often, all right? So here we go. John chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 45, and this is such a cool a cool story, okay? This is Jesus arriving at Galilee. Check this out. Follow along. It's an awesome story. It's short, so I trust that you can stick with me, okay? When Jesus arrived at Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, and then they had, they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. So Jesus is welcomed into this area, uh, and he is, um, and he's, uh, and they're excited that he's there, the Bible says, because they had already seen what Jesus was capable of doing. Some of the people in these crowds had already witnessed what he had done in Jerusalem, miracles and things that he had done. Verse 46 says this, Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, <clears throat> where he had turned the water into wine. That was Jesus' first miracle in Cana. He had turned water into wine there. And there was a certain royal official, main character of the story, don't miss him, okay? One of the main characters, a certain royal official whose son lay sick in Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Okay, so check this out. We're going to pause right there for just a second. You have this royal official, okay? His son is sick. His son is close to death. And he goes looking for Jesus. He hears that Jesus is in Galilee, in the area. He goes looking for Jesus, and he begs him to come. And I wonder sometimes if it was hard to find Jesus, or if he just saw a big crowd and knew Jesus must be over there. Because this was way before Twitter, where you could like look and see where people were tweeting and what they were tweeting about and what was trending. This was way before Google Maps or anything like that. It was just like, I'm going to walk and I see a crowd, and that must be where he is. So there he goes, and he finds Jesus, and he looks for Jesus because he was begging him to come and to heal his son. And you have to consider for a moment a father who is about to lose a child. I don't know what that feels like, but to just consider a moment a father that is about to lose a child and has no other options for helping their child get well. That's exactly what this man is facing right now. This is what verse 48 says. It says, this is what the, the, um, he says, Jesus, will you come? Will you heal my son? Come, he is close to death. And in verse 48, Jesus says this. He says, unless you people, interesting, he's not talking to the man, he's talking to the crowd. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. He says, unless all of you who are here see a sign and a wonder, in other words, a miracle, something powerful happened, you all will never believe. And it's interesting that he's talking to the man, and he's talking to everybody that might be around the man. And it's interesting that Jesus is saying, I could stand here, and I could just tell you who I am, but you wouldn't believe me. You have to see something great happen. 
And I wonder if that's kind of like what we're like in our life sometimes. Like maybe you have sat through hundreds of sermons or Bible studies, or you've been in church since you were a wee little kid, or maybe you've never been in church and you're just like, I don't believe in God. I, you know, I hate God. I don't believe in him. If you don't believe in him, why do you hate him? Anyway, that's another to- uh, topic altogether. But anyway, okay, my point is simply, maybe like a lot of this is just normal. It's just kind of a normal thing for you. You've grown up, you've heard a lot, and, and, and Jesus is saying, You've heard so much, and yet your faith really doesn't exist. Your faith is so small because you want to see something miraculous and powerful happen. That's what the crowd is like. Crowds are skeptical. Crowds doubt. Ever been to like an illusionist show or anything like that where everybody's watching the illusionist on stage do something, and everybody's just kind of like, hmm, I think I can figure out how he did that. I feel like that every year that we go to Camp Zephyr and we get some illusionist guy come in and he like cuts a girl in half or puts her in a box and twists her around. Remember, you, guys, you go to Camp Zephyr, you know what I'm talking about, right? And you're just like, hmm. Right now, since like I'm kind of on the summer staff there that, that directs, I'm like, hmm, all my students are going to leave. I'm going to stay right here and watch him disassemble that thing and I'm going to figure out the secret to how this whole contraption works and we're going to, we're going to figure all this out. And, and, then, and then he leaves and then a whole bunch of us just sit there for an hour talking about, I wonder how, he, did you see him do this? Did you see him do that? Or you just, the crowds are skeptical and crowds doubt. Crowds want to see something great happen and crowds also have very little faith sometimes. This is what the, the, the father says to him in verse 49. The father says this, sir, come down before my child dies. He says, well, you need to come. If you don't come, he will die. And Jesus says, go. He says, leave. Leave me, he says. Your son will live. He's going to live. You see, this man speaks directly to Jesus, and he says, you need to come. If you don't come, he's going to die. And in that moment, this man is separating himself from a doubting crowd. He's saying, what he's saying is this, I know that you can make my son well again. He's saying, I'm not like a crowd that's doubting you. I actually have faith that you can heal my son. You see that? When he tells Jesus, come or he's going to die, he's saying to Jesus, I trust that you can save him. It's a faith thing. He believes that Jesus can save. He's actually putting his faith into action. He's saying, I trust that you can heal him, and I'm asking you to come with me so that you can heal him. And Jesus says, I'm not going with you. So go, and he's going to live. He's going to be just fine. And I wonder, and I wonder um, what that must have been like for the father. Can you imagine for a second that you're the father, and you're like, Jesus, come with me, and then my son is going to live. And he says, no, go, and he will be just fine. And at that moment, that father has to put some faith into action. He has to decide, am I going to say, I really need you to come with me? Or is he just going to say, okay, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to leave and go home and see if my son really is okay. He has, he has a moment to decide what he is going to do. And I kind of ask myself, and I ask you today, what would you have done? What would you have done if you had been this father or a mother in this situation? Would you have said, I believe you can heal him, but please don't send me back without coming with me? Or would you have said, okay, he told me to go. He said my son's going to be okay, so I'm going to go. Well, this man says this. He says, and the first thing I want to say is this, is that crowds doubt and crowds distrust, but a disciple, a disciple trusts 
A disciple trusts, and then a disciple has to act on that trust, okay? Trust isn't trust unless you act upon it. You can't say, I trust you, and not act upon that trust. You ever seen the fall thing, right, where somebody stands behind you and you say, do you trust me? Yes, then fall backwards and I'll catch you, and you're like, no, I'm not falling, but I trust you. It doesn't work like that. Crowds doubt, crowds distrust, but a disciple trusts and then acts on that trust. This is what the man does. It says, the man took Jesus at his word and he left without Jesus. He departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that this boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when the sun got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. So he's on his way home. Okay, he said to go home. He said, my son would be fine. He acted on that little bit of faith that he had. He goes home, and on the way, his servants come and meet him and say, your son, he's okay. He's better. His fever is gone. See, the second thing is this, is that crowds only get to watch from a distance. Crowds only get to observe. Crowds don't get to experience what disciples can experience. A disciple, somebody who follows Jesus, gets to live and experience a life of faith and all that that brings into their lives. Crowds sit back and just watch, skeptically most of the time, but a disciple gets to experience what a life of faith brings. It brings something unique and special. For this man right here, look at what it says in verse 53. It says, the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. If this man had just been a crowd person, he would have skeptically just sat back and said, no, I don't believe. I don't believe. I don't believe unless you come with me, Jesus. But he left. And because he acted on faith, he got to experience seeing something powerful and miraculous happen. The servants said he was healed at about one o'clock. That's when the fever broke. And he said, that's exactly when Jesus told me yesterday. Okay, he'd been walking for a long time. That's when Jesus told me to go home and that my son would be okay. And it says that he and his whole household believed. See, that's what happens when you live a life of faith. You get to experience God doing great and powerful things. Some of us here, listen, I know I felt like this before. I'm being honest. Some of us here are really bored with God. You're really bored with God. You're really bored with faith. Maybe because you don't really have faith or you doubt. But here's the deal. When you live a life of faith, you get to see and experience God do great and powerful things that are not boring. So if you're bored with God, I just want to say this. It might be that you are not living in faith. Because when you live in faith, you see God do great and powerful things all around you all the time. Oh, by the way, starting with the simplest thing like you waking up this morning. Yeah, we even take that for granted when we're not living in faith or a life of faith. So crowds get to watch, disciples get to live and experience the life of faith that we have. And number three, last thing is this, is that crowds don't act in faith at all. But disciples get to see their faith grow. So this is what happened. This guy, the father, he had a little bit of faith, enough to go find Jesus and to obey Jesus. Jesus said, I'm not going with you, I'm going home. You go home, I'm staying here, but your son will be okay. He had enough faith to do just that and he left and went home then he finds out that his son is healed 
and that he's better, and that it was Jesus who healed him from far away, that it was God who had healed him, and it says that he and his whole household believed. In other words, his little bit of faith turned into more faith. And that's exactly what your life and my life is like when we follow Jesus. Listen, sometimes we feel like we only have a little bit of faith, like just a small amount of faith and a small amount of trust. But I want you to, I want to tell you this, that just like the father in this story, that if you act upon just that much faith, maybe your faith is just like a little seed, okay? It's like, oh, I just have this much faith. Listen, if you act just on that much faith, if you obey God and act just on that little bit of faith that you have, guess what's going to happen? You're going to see God work. And guess what's going to happen after that? Your faith is going to increase. And maybe you have that much faith now. And if you act on that much faith and obey, you're going to see God work. And guess what's going to happen after that? Your faith is going to increase and increase and increase. Listen, sometimes we walk around and we want to just have like this faith of a giant, like, man, like I have all this faith in God, right? But listen, can I tell you that even the most spiritually strong and mature people experience things in life that rock their faith or shake their faith? Have you ever lost a loved one? That shakes your faith. You ever seen somebody come down with, uh, be diagnosed with cancer or other, some other uh, horrible illness? My niece has cancer right now. Okay, she's a little baby. And I'd be lying if I told her that that didn't shake the faith of our family at times. I mean, sometimes you find life shaking you to the core with problems or issues that happen and come up. And we may find at those moments that we have just a little bit of faith and, and God says, act on that much faith then. Obey. Do what I'm asking you to do. And watch me and watch what I can do with your faith, with that faith. And then that faith grows, it increases, it changes, and we're never the same again. All right, I gotta finish this message, so let me just say this, all right? <clears throat> for, some, for some of us here, Jesus may be calling you to move away from the crowd and sit at the table with him and get to know him, to be his disciple, Spend time with him, learning his way, and living that out. Okay, number two, some of us here, um, maybe it's time for us to act on whatever little bit of faith that we have to obey and to act on that faith and see how our faith meets everyday life issues. Listen, I think part of the disconnect between you and God sometimes is you think God is like in these four walls, and you haven't yet seen how God meets you right where you're at in whatever problem and issue you're facing at home, at school, in your classroom, in culture, in politics, in relevant issues around our world. You haven't, we haven't, you haven't yet seen how your faith in God meets every single day issues and even personal issues that you're living out. And it starts with you just acting on faith in obedience, in obeying Jesus. Lastly, Jesus wants you to take whatever faith you have, whatever little faith you have, and can I promise you this, that Jesus wants to grow your faith. He says, for those who ask me, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite phrases in the Bible, I believe, help my unbelief. Y'all ever heard that phrase before in the Bible? I love it. The dude comes, I believe, 
help my unbelief. It's like, there's a little bit of belief. There's a lot of unbelief. But I do believe. So help me get through this unbelief so that I can believe in even more. I love it. I love that phrase. Will you memorize that? I believe, help my unbelief. And then you act on that bit of faith and belief that you do have in obedience and watch God do the rest. All right, cool. I'm going to end tonight. You're going to have plenty of time in your C groups tonight. We're finishing a little bit early. You're going to get a lot of time in your C groups, which is good. You're going to spend some good time talking with those people. Okay, let's pray. God, we believe. Will you help our unbelief? Lord, will you help us to um, act out, to live out the faith that we say that we have? Lord, it's hard. Life hits us, and it hurts sometimes. Lord, but will you just help us to take one step of obedience at a time and see you do great and powerful things? God, we are guilty of missing out on seeing you do powerful things because we fold our hands and don't believe you. Lord, will you include us in to the great things you're doing around us so that we could see that and be a part of that? We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Thanks for letting me get to share with you. Okay, really quick, a couple announcements, all right? Number one, one weekend was awesome. We told you that if you got registered by a certain time, that we'd give you this shirt, all right? Your shirts are on these two tables. This is a guy table. The one right down there on the end is the girl table. Look for your shirt. Your name is probably rubber bands to it. You can pick your shirt up, take it with you. Hold up. All right, so pick up your shirt, take it home with you, all right? And so that's for everybody that got registered, and um, that was just our promise to you. They are here. You can go pick up your shirt and take it home, all right? Second thing is this, is we are in the middle of a really big um, building campaign, a lot of money coming in. People have given lots of money to our project, to our student center project, and we're so thankful for that. When you go to your group time, make sure that you take a little bit of time at the end of your group time to pray. We're doing that every single Wednesday night, remember? Okay, so you're going to take a little bit of time to pray about our project, the Student Center Project, and pray for those who are leading, the committees, the teams that are working, um, that God would provide the resources, the money to do this project in his time. We're really trusting God. God has the right time, the, the perfect time for all of this to happen, and we think it's very, very close, if not even now, okay? And so um, we are asking you to be involved by praying. Okay, the other thing we ask you to do, you see that little red box right there, okay? We asked, we passed out like 100 of those to you guys, okay? And I told you, remember, I told you, I said, hey, listen, the kids in the kids' building, man, I saw them walking around church with those coin boxes. Some of them already started bringing them back full of coins, even though they're not due back until March the 31st. There are little kids already bringing those coin backs, and we're, coin, and we're like, oh, man, we're going to have to store these here for a whole month. All right, they're already bringing them back, okay? So listen. I know you're like, oh, really? That's like such a little kid thing. No, it's not, okay? We had a bunch of adults that were asking if they could take coin banks too, and we were like, yeah, put checks in it, okay? But anyway, sorry, that's another issue. So, uh, but you can, you, can, you can take, if you did not get one of those, which I'm surprised if you didn't, because we've been passing them out, but if you didn't get one of those, we have a bunch of banks up there at the desk, okay? Just take one of those banks home with you and start filling up with coins and stuff like that. And uh, we'll bring it back on March the 31st. Just dig around, steal the money, uh, from your parents' little cup holder or that they use for the water mill, you know, when they go to the water mill express and they do that water thing. Just take, just take them. Mom, come on. We can drink tap water for a month. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I don't, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that, okay? Hey, it has fluoride, okay? It's good for you, all right? All right, okay, cool. All right, so is that true? Is that true, Javi? Is it, is it good fluoride city water? 
Yeah? No. <laughs> All right, good. All right, okay, so uh, yeah, make sure you get on that. Make, make sure you fill up your coin banks, bring them back, okay? And that's a great way for you to be involved. Um, hey, listen, uh, a couple Sundays ago, you guys were door holders and greeters, and you did a great job with that. Now that you have your Calvary student shirt, guess what? Uh, we're going to go ahead and do that another Sunday, not this coming Sunday, but probably the following. We're going to get you to be door holders and greeters again. So we'll probably use that same sign-up sheet and start to tell you, hey, we need you at this time, this time, and this time. And we're just going to get you visible, get you in front of the church doing some really cool things. All right? You guys got me? Yeah? Okay, cool. Um, I don't think I'm missing any. Oh, 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 one last very important announcement, okay? This coming Sunday, okay, this coming Sunday, after the 11 o'clock service, we're doing a meeting, not here, in the parlor, okay? That's the building over there, connected to the, the, the main building, that, that building, that, that room that looks like, um, I don't really know what to call it, okay? That fancy room over there, all right? Okay, so we're doing a camp meeting there on Sunday morning, okay? After the 11 o'clock service, and that will be the first day that you can pick up fundraiser tickets for camp. If you want to sell fundraiser tickets that go to your camp, that'll be the first Sunday that you can pick them up that day, okay? All right, okay. Yeah, is your hand up? Are you raising your hand up? Oh, I thought, I thought you were like calling. Okay, cool. All right, cool. Lastly, any birthdays this week? Birthdays? Birthdays, birthdays? We good? All right, you guys enjoy group time, all right? I'll see you later. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Stop, time out, time out. Oh, man, I have one more announcement. Josh, Josh has been... Um, he's been saying, hey, bro, you got to announce it. I always forget. I'm so sorry. Um, so um, this is scary, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I'm already stuttering saying it. Uh, uh, I'm going to say it. Okay, here we go. All right, so Josh back there has been recording all of my Wednesday night talks, and he has created a podcast. It's on iTunes and SoundCloud. So if you ever miss a Wednesday and want to hear my message, you can go to iTunes and find that. I really don't know how to find it, but we'll have it up on the screen for you in the, in the next week, and you can go talk to Josh tonight, and he'll tell you how to find it. Uh, I, do you just search for Calvary Students? Is that what you do? Search for Calvary Students on SoundCloud or iTunes podcast. Yeah, search for Calvary Students. Make sure you find the right Calvary Students because we're like McAllen, all right? Um, and, um, and then you can listen to my feeble voice deliver the message. And, uh, oh my gosh, oh, that's scary, okay? That's scary. All right. So I don't like this part of the job, but hey, I'm glad that if you miss a Wednesday night, you get to hear, hear the message of the night, all right? Okay. Love you guys. Enjoy group time. Do not leave the building until 8 o'clock, okay? All right. See y'all.